several uh, Lord's Day mornings together. We'll pick up today at verse 35. All of the uh, themes and uh, the difficulties, the temptations, the sins addressed by Jesus thus far in chapter 12, fear and greed and hypocrisy and covetousness, as well as the positive, like um, storing up treasures in heaven that we considered last week, find their answer uh, or their basis or their solution in what Jesus uh, teaches us here in the verses before us. All is seen for what it is when held against the light of the coming of Christ with recompense in the forms of judgment and of reward. We, you and I, who are by faith in Christ, are lifted by a passage like this on eagle's wings to soar above present worry and circumstance to see with eagle's eyes uh, what the glorious future holds for us. Christ is coming. What must that mean for you and for me right now? Christ is coming. What must that require of you? Let's pray. Show us our Father, we ask, and then grant us your grace to do it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you before we read the text that Jesus and his disciples are here surrounded by a group of uh, thousands of people, a great crowd. Uh, Jesus, uh, as Jesus teaches these things recently, though, Dr. Luke has taken the telephoto lens, as it were, and zoomed in just on his disciples. Uh, But he's not unmindful of the fact that the crowds are still there within earshot. And apparently the disciples... Uh, are keenly aware of the crowd too, and even have a hard time determining whether what Jesus is saying just now and here is just for them or for everybody uh, within earshot now, for the benefits of the thousands gathered around them and their rabbi. Maybe as you listen, you might consider that question yourself to whom is Jesus speaking? Luke 12, beginning at verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door for him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager 
whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. During my high school Years, particularly the early years, the best six years of my life, an unexpected and uninvited and very unlikely career was thrust upon me by a couple of families in our church. I was called upon to do a job that usually falls to young girls. I was asked to be a babysitter. I don't know whether it was because all the uh, gum-snapping, hair-twirling types were busy that night or maybe had made themselves busy, or if this particular set of parents figured that uh, anyone, girl or boy, who had survived to adolescence at the head of the train of six children must know at least one or two things about kids. Uh, Either way, they dialed my number and asked if I would come and babysit for their three little darlings. It didn't take me very long to figure out why I was called. Theirs was a particularly rambunctious brood, and I probably one of the last available or willing or gullible enough to uh, come. Uh, hardly was I in the door, but I had one of them pulling one arm, the other tug-of-warring on the other, and the third crawling up my back. Uh, not long after the parents locked me in with those little monsters, it occurred to me that I had but one choice, and that was to channel their unquellable energy. So that's what I did. First we wrestled, and then we ran down the holes, and then we invented a game that served us quite well on our visits called uh, Launch the Baby. Uh, I'd sit on my back, curled up with the bottoms of my feet pointed toward the ceiling, and one after another they would take their seat on the bottoms of my feet, and on the count of three, I'd send them launching across the room and into the couch on the other side. They never tired of anything, not for a minute. Somehow, I don't remember exactly how I managed to get them off to bed, and then I collapsed. I was going to rest just for a moment that particular evening before cleaning up the ice cream bowls and the chocolate sauce drizzled on the table and so on, which also may account for their indomitable spirits, but uh, I was thoroughly exhausted. My intent, of course, was to have the house spick and span, to be wide awake, uh, to show myself the trustworthy and guardian uh, uh, sitter of the fortress, 
And of these little ones entrusted to my care, but uh, if you'll excuse the expression, Morpheus gained the upper hand. And uh, when I woke, it was to the voice and maybe even to the nudging, I don't remember, of those parents standing suddenly and out of the blue right over the top of me, the guardian of hearth and home. Uh, I had fallen asleep on the job. I had nodded on my watch. I should have known they were coming. Of course, they were coming. They had to be coming. I should have been ready to greet them at the door, to show them all was well, to welcome them back. Instead, they found me sound asleep. Well, Jesus is coming. He has left us in charge for a time. He's given us great responsibility. He's entrusted us with his kingdom, and he is coming back. How will he find us? How will he find you? How would you like him to find you upon his return, whenever that should be? Asleep? Job half done? Surprised and embarrassed like I was that evening? Jesus had not even left them yet, the disciples, that is. He'd not yet gone to the cross and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, but he's already instructing them at this point in his life and ministry and in theirs about the days to come, days when they will not have him, at least not physically with them. He was going to leave them, and he was going to leave them in charge. But then he was coming back again. He still is coming, that is. His word still stands, and we still are. Like the disciples were after his uh, ascension into heaven, I say we're still living in that time between his advent to procure our salvation and his coming again to bring it to completion, to consummation. And when he comes, what will he find? What will you and I want him to find, whether he comes to us first or we go to him? Jesus is coming again, therefore we must stay ready. And the way we stay ready boils down basically to two elements, by watching and by working. First, because Jesus is coming, we must watch. That's Jesus' point there in verse 35. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lights burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so they may open the door for him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Jewish weddings typically took place at night, which helps us understand the metaphor that Jesus is drawing here for us. The master is away at a wedding feast, maybe even his own. But at any minute, he's going to appear at the door. When he does, the servants need to be right there, ready to open it for him. No master, after all, wants to wait and knock at his own door, particularly on his own wedding night. Faithful servants would be ready at a moment's notice to greet him. They had to stay dressed for action. Literally, uh, Jesus uh, says they have to have their loins uh, loins girded up. 
in other words, they had to, to have those long, flowing, picturesque robes that were worn by the Easterner. Beautiful, but not very practical for uh, running a quick errand. In uh, Pulled up and out of the way and tucked uh, underneath their belts so they wouldn't be a hindrance to fast movement, so they wouldn't cause them to trip as they sprung to action. They had also to keep the lamps burning, a daily and sometimes hourly element of life in those days, trimming wicks that protruded from sauce boat-like lamps that uh, needed almost constant uh, trimming and keeping as they uh, burned. One thinks of of the parable, another parable of the wise and foolish virgins uh, who were to keep their lamps ready, some who did and others who failed, and so were not ready when the bridegroom approached. Blessed were the ones who were awake and ready when he appeared. Same thing here in verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. The servant is blessed uh, is the servant who is watching, the one who is longing, anticipating, ready for the master's return, even though he doesn't know exactly when it's going to happen. Verse 38, if he comes in the second watch or in the third, which was Jesus' way of saying, if he comes late into the night, second or third watch, middle of the night, and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Now, to reinforce the point, Jesus switches things up a little bit and draws what might seem to be a very unlikely sort of illustration. Verse 39, but know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, Jesus is not a thief come to uh, burgle rather than to bless. Uh, That's not the point. The point is a thief does not tell you when he is coming. He doesn't hang a notice on your mailbox and say, I'll be by tonight about uh, 11.30, quarter to 12 or so. If a homeowner knows to expect a thief, then no thief is ever a surprise. The point is Jesus is coming at a time we do not expect. We can't know when it will be. It could be this afternoon. It could be next year. It could be a thousand years from now. We don't know. But we have a life to live in the meantime of watchfulness and of readiness to greet him when he does our master at the door. The important thing, I'd say perhaps the most important thing for you to do to be ready and watching is quite simple. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Rest on him by faith. Call upon him. Watch for his coming. Pray for his coming. When we say, as we often do in this house, to the Lord, thy kingdom come, what we're praying is not just that his rule will spread from pole to pole over all the earth, but that he will come. That he will appear and bring to fulfillment all that he accomplished on the tree of Calvary. 
But before we leave this matter of, of watchfulness, I want to notice with you what, is, what it is that we're anticipating, because it truly is a stupefying spectacle. Maybe you caught it as I was reading it. They certainly caught it in their day. You know they had to catch this the day Jesus preached it because it was absolutely upside down and backwards. It would have just reeled them back on their heels when they heard Jesus talk about what what ran against the very warp and woof of their culture and everyday experience. They had to be scratching their heads. The master in Jesus' parable arrives at the house. The ready servants Swing open the door to meet him, lamps burning, loins girded, prepared to serve him, and he immediately turns the tables around. You sit down, the master says to the servants. You recline at table. I have come to serve you. Truly, Jesus says there in the middle of verse 37, Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Excuse me? What did you just... Did he say what I think he just said? Imagine the embarrassed bewilderment of the servants being served by their master. What master would become the servant to his servants? What master would make himself nothing, taking the very form of a servant? One's mind goes immediately to that upper room scene, doesn't it? Jesus wraps a towel around himself, gets down on his knees and begins washing his disciples' feet. What master, I ask? This one. For that's exactly what Jesus said he had come to do. For the Son of Man came not to be served, Jesus said, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The master of the universe the one without whom nothing was made that has been made, through whom everything that you see was made, the Lord of all creation, serves the servants. That will be the scene at the great wedding feast, the great supper of the Lamb, dear flock, the great shepherd serving his sheep, us. The master's servants, servants who were ready, who were waiting, who were watching, who were desiring his coming at any time, who are ready by faith in him. Be ready, dear flock. Be watching for him that when he comes, you may enter into your master's joy. Watch. But Jesus calls us more to more than just bear watching. Second, because Jesus is coming, we must work. Our watchfulness for Jesus' return is not a passive watchfulness. It's a working watchfulness. It's, it's watchful working, if you will. 
This we learn from Jesus' response to Peter's question. Remember, they're surrounded by a crowd now, a great crowd of, of people. So Peter's question is, is not unreasonable in verse 41. Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? Jesus brushes aside the question and at least doesn't answer it directly, which leads me to believe that the answer to Peter's question, is this for us or is it for the crowd, is probably yes. <laughs> Anyone with spiritual ears to hear is included here, even us, 2,000 years later. If Jesus comes today, if Jesus comes this week or next month or next year, let him find us working. In the second parable, we find ourselves painted as servants again, but this time as chief Servants as stewards or managers appointed by our master with certain responsibilities to fill. Who then is the faithful and wise manager, Jesus asks, whom his, manager, whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Because of the responsibility described here in Jesus' parable of feeding the household, uh, many commentators think that what is being described here by Jesus is the work of the ministers of the church, and hence ministers in view in this parable. Just as the disciples turned apostles were to bring the word of God to the church, so today's ministers are to be faithful about feeding the church with God's truth, faithful stewards in that way. Well, I don't disagree with that interpretation and certainly feel something of the weightiness of it on a personal level. But I think that the principle here also applies to all Christians. All of us have been given specific circles of influence, specific levels of responsibility, As Christians, God has entrusted us, after all, every single one of you, he has entrusted with some gift for you to exercise, some some particular talent or ability that it is your calling to use for the sake of his kingdom until he comes again. Now, I don't know what your particular gift is, what your particular talent, what it is that the Lord has entrusted to you for this time. Some of you are particularly gifted at encouragement. You're able to sit by a sick person's bedside for hours and to serve and to bless. Some of you may be gifted to disciple others, to sit over a cup of coffee with open Bibles and and, uh, pencil in hand studying and working together through God's word. Others are gifted in administration and can organize the saints or the saints' um, uh, resources for maximum kingdom effectiveness. Others are stronger in private prayer, while others are gifted to speak in public. Yet others of you have the gift of hospitality. Some of you have Offices in the church, elders to rule, deacons to serve. Whatever it is that God has given you to do for him, do it. Take hold of it with both 
hands and do it with all of your might. Work. Verse 43, For blessed is that servant whom his, fa- whom his master will find so doing what he com- when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Jesus, your master, finding you faithful with little, will upon his coming give you much. Workers are blessed when the boss comes in the room and finds them working hard at their jobs. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said, may the Lord keep you waiting, working, watching, that when he comes, you may have the blessedness of entering upon some larger, higher, nobler service than you could accomplish now, for which you are preparing by the lowlier and more arduous service of this world. But responsibility uh, with reward uh, comes with warning as well. There are those in the church, members of the covenant community, who are not willing to work, who will not put put their shoulder to the stone, as it were, not willing to engage in the master's business. What will happen when the master returns uh, to them? Maybe they're even being cruel to the other servants. Maybe they're neglecting the work to which they're called, even some of them abusing the authority that's been entrusted to them as stewards, as officers in the church. Maybe they say to themselves, my master's delayed in coming, so, so they misbehave and they disobey and they dishonor the master. Verse 46 The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. Now, I want to return to those last verses next week because time doesn't allow us to give the sort of attention to them today that I I think they must certainly require shocking as they are. For now, let it suffice to say that in the time we have, however long or short, and on the grand scale of things, really all the time we have is short, Let us be found watching and working, watchfully working. Let us be doing Christians the way our master was a doing Christ, the way our Lord went about doing good, working faithfully, bearing fruit, shining as lights that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Let me ask you, do you really believe that Jesus is coming at any time? Do you take him at his word here? Do you believe that really is true? Then my brothers and sisters, live that way. Live that way. Use what you have been given 
for the good of others. Teach others the grace of God. And ask yourself often, often, if Jesus came today, if Jesus came right now, would I be pleased to have him find me doing this? Amen.